Namaste and welcome to the River of Wisdom podcast, a podcast that brings to you the ancient Vedic tradition which reveals that you are pure being having a human experience. I'm your guide by the side, Swamini P. Let us flow, you and I, on the banks of the River of Wisdom. The ego is the one who owns up to any kind of activity. For example, when I see, I say this is my sight. The one who owns up to the activity of seeing, the one who is the subject behind the seeing, or behind hearing, tasting, smelling, thinking, or doing anything, is what is meant by the ego or ahankara. The ego wants to control people and situations for a sense of security. In fact, we often ask each other, all in control, and the person says, more or less. It is this ego that people say, one must surrender to the Lord. First of all, I do not know who or what the Lord is. And why should I surrender the only ego that I have to this Lord? As it is, I have only a few things. And these things are owned by this ego. If I surrender my ego to the Lord, what will I get in return? Everything I am told. The question that arises would be, if the ego is already surrendered, who gets everything? Once I've surrendered my ego, I become totally decimated. Then who is there to get anything out of that surrender? Nobody. Therefore, that type of surrender is useless. Also, the next question is, who is surrendering the ego? Somebody has to do the surrendering. It is the ego that has to surrender itself. And that is not possible. See, if I am wearing a coat, I can surrender the coat. I can hang it somewhere or put it on someone's shoulders. Also, when I am the owner of the coat, it is easy to surrender it. If I am not the owner of the coat, I can ask you to take it. But I cannot surrender it because it does not belong to me. Similarly, I am told that the ego, the ahankara, belongs to the Lord and that I must surrender it. How can I surrender that which does not belong to me? I can only surrender what belongs to me. And if it belongs to the Lord, how is it that I do not know this? In fact, I think that everything belongs to me, including the Lord. Why else would I address him as my Lord? Or Bhagwan, to address the Lord, I must be there. Because I am here, he is the Lord. If I am not here, where is the Lord? He is the Lord because I call him the Lord or my Bhagwan. And if there is a Lord and this Lord includes everything, then I have nothing to surrender. I have only to know. If I have to surrender to a Lord who is separate from me, then I am the ego. Who then is to surrender this ego? The ego alone has to surrender. 
How can the ego surrender? The one who surrenders is indeed the ego. And being the one who surrenders, the ego can only surrender what it owns. The owner cannot be surrendered. If the ego has to surrender to the Lord, something else must be there to surrender it, which can only be another ego. Because whoever owns up to the act of surrender is the ego. The ego requires an ego, which requires yet another ego. Thus, we find ourselves in infinite regression. So then, our question still stands, how are we going to surrender our ego to the Lord? Surrender is an attitude, a mature attitude. There is no other surrender than this. Surrender as such is not possible for the ego because it cannot surrender itself. But with an attitude of surrender, I can deflate the ego. I see the ego for what it is. When I am objective, I see that there is nothing in this creation that is authored by me. Everything is given to me, including my physical body, mind and senses. When I am objective, I try to look at the world without many of my projections. When I am objective, I see that the world is intelligently put together, serving a definite purpose. The liver does not do the kidney's job any more than the kidneys do the liver's job. Each organ functions in an intelligent way. When I am objective, I see that my mind behaves in certain ways, which is according to a certain order. That I cannot accept my mind is also in order. Seeing the intelligence of this order, I neither give up nor give in. I just see the order that governs my mind landscape. This psychological order of principles is just one of the many frameworks of the vast orders of the Lord. The dream that I have is an excellent example for me to appreciate that the material for my dream, the mountains, the valleys, the people in the dream, they all come from me. The intelligence for the dream, including the madness in the method, has also come from me. The Lord Arishwara is both the material and intelligent cause for this entire vast creation. I see more and more that where there is the giver, there is the given. What is given to me is not mine. When I say I am just a trustee, O Lord, and you are the giver, it is the ego that tells me this. So surrender can only be in terms of seeing what is and hence my attitude. And if surrender is not possible, how does one get rid of the ego? In the name of getting rid of everything else, the ego remains in one form or the other because it cannot get rid of itself. It remains to say things like, I am the most generous person around. 
even a person who does not talk about his or her good actions may think of himself or herself as a humble person and say, I never mention all of the charities I have done. I don't boast about them. Ask anyone and they will tell you that this is so. The ego knows very well how to sustain and perpetuate itself in many different ways. Because the ego, the karta, the doer is always there in one form or the other. It cannot be defeated except by the one who undertakes an inquiry into who am I. A person can study every philosophy there is and the ego will remain saying, I am a philosopher. Only when the question, who am I, is asked, is the ego in trouble. Why? Because the ego, the doer, the karta, is really an imposter, a superimposition. There is actually no doership, no independent entity, because it depends on pure being, that is the Atma. When the truth of oneself is recognized in the light of the Vedic tradition, the ego does not go, strictly speaking. Rather, this recognition is what makes one see the ego as having no independent reality of its own. So then, the going of the ego is purely in terms of negation by knowledge. Negation by knowledge occurs when an object is there but its reality does not exist independently. For example, you can enjoy the blue sky at the same time know that the sky is not really blue and dismiss its blueness. You can be totally involved with the movie you're watching, laugh with the hero, cry for his suffering, knowing fully well that the movie is not real. A child, on the other hand, cannot dismiss the movie as unreal because for the child, the elephants, the tigers and everything in the movie are real. The child may even cry not knowing that the objects and situations in the movie are only appearances and having a dependent reality. Until the child knows the movie is just a movie, the movie will remain real. This knowing comes by negation, understanding an object or situation and seeing its reality. Similarly, in the study of Vedanta, the ego is not removed, but the fact that it has no independent existence is understood. What is it that the ego depend on? What is it that exists independently without depending on the ego? The ego depends for its existence on the self which is not the ego. This self is the pure being, which is the truth of every ego. So, surrender, then, is not a physical action. It is an attitude born of your understanding. In the understanding of Ishvara as the order of principles, 
you surrender. In the understanding of Ishvara, your resistance disappears. The fighter in you that had an obsessive need for control disappears. Surrender includes the understanding of the Lord or Ishvara, which includes free will and the powers that you have been given to change a given situation. It is that disappearance of resistance that expresses itself as surrender to Ishvara the Lord. Seeing the world as it is, without all your subjective projections, is to have an awareness of the Lord Ishvara. Seeing what is, is appreciating all that is given to you. Then, you can appreciate the parentage given to you, your abilities and disabilities. This reduction of subjectivity is relating to Ishvara. Relating does not necessarily mean that you offer your worship. It means that you live your whole life with an awareness of Ishvara. This is true surrender and it grows with our understanding. You bless yourself by seeking to understand who am I really? You matter. Your life matters. What you do with your life matters. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful and you think it might benefit someone, I do hope you will consider sharing it. To connect with the Vedic tradition or deepen your existing connection with it, you can also visit www.discoveratma.com. See you next week.